Good morning. Welcome to Dogwood Church. It is time for kids to be released. Uh, If you have children that need to be taken back to the nursery, you can go take them back to the nursery. And then kids in our kids zone for Kids Church can be taken back, uh, can head back to the back doors to see Cody and Megan as they get ready for Kids Zone. We often make goals for ourselves. Uh, You know, some of those may be small goals. Uh, just something for, you know, by the end of the day, I want to accomplish this. Uh, and then some of those may be lifelong goals, things that you're setting, uh, setting your mind towards and, and saying, like, I hope that by the time I get to the end of my life, that this will be true of me. Or I hope that I've accomplished this when I have finally made it to a certain age. That's a common thing for us is to think about uh, our lives and things that we want to, to do and we set goals. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Last week we looked at the joy of trusting in Jesus from Philippians 3. And we're going to continue today with verses 10 through 16 in that chapter. And what we're going to see in this passage is a goal that Paul has, the goal that Paul has for his life. And as we work our way through this text, we're going to see that this is a goal that we should all passionately pursue. So last week we talked about uh, the importance for believers to rest in the righteousness that we have in Christ like in our hearts and minds, understanding that we don't have to strive and struggle for God's approval. He loves us as his children. Uh, This week, as we look at these verses, we're going to see that that does not mean passivity in the life of faith. And that's a very important thing for us to understand. So I'm going to read the text, Philippians 3, verses 10 through 16, and then pray for us. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Let's pray. Father, your word is is good and true, and we thank you that you are always faithful. We thank you for your word, and I pray that you help us believe it and live by it today. So Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and minds. Change us because of the truth of your word. For your glory, God, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
I've titled my sermon today, Striving to Know Jesus More. And so as we work our way through these seven verses, I want us to see what God's Word has for us about this goal that each one of us should have for our lives. The first thing that we're going to see in this text is this. Striving to know Jesus is more than an, intellect, more than an intellectual process. Striving to know Jesus is more than an intellectual process. Let's look back at verses 10 and 11 for this. My goal, Paul speaking here in Philippians 3, verse 10, my goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. There are several things that Paul talks about in this passage here. Paul's goal is to know Jesus Christ. And it's important that we understand he's not talking just about knowing about Jesus. He's not just talking about mentally having the facts about Jesus. He speaks about knowing Christ in multiple different ways. And those he's speaking about is an experience And so the first thing that we see in this is he wants to know Christ and the power of resurrection that comes through being connected to Christ. He wants to experience that same power in his life. And so the resurrection that's promised at the end, but also the resurrection power that is active in us now through the Holy Spirit working in us. In the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about, as he prays for the Ephesian believers, he says, I want you to know the power of God that is in you. And then he goes on and says, it's this same power that brought Christ back to life. In Romans, he speaks the same way, about the the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in you. And so Paul says, I want to experience Christ in this way. I want to know the transforming power, the resurrection power that we have because of Jesus Christ. And he also wants to experience the perfection that will come with that. That when in the end we have a resurrected body, we will no longer sin Verse 11 is one that troubles some people and can be a little bit confusing. He's not implying that he thinks that he might not see the resurrection at the end. And the way it's worded, and especially the way the CSB translates it, it can kind of seem that way. Because he says, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. It's important that we understand. Paul's not saying this, saying, I don't know if that's going to happen to me. He, he's confident that he will achieve the resurrection from the dead and the transformation comes. What he's saying here is, one way or another, he knows that he will experience the transformation that's going to come. So that can happen for believers in two ways. If we die... We know that we will be with Christ in His presence, and then when Christ returns, we will 
have a resurrected body. We will be back with our resurrected body and that body will be a transformed body. Or if a believer is still living when Christ returns, there will be a transformation when we see him. There will be a transformation. And so Paul is not saying, I don't know if I'll, I'll have this experience. He's saying one way or another, I know that I will uh, have this. And so I'm assuming that that's going to take place in one of these uh, categories, whichever way God wants to work it out. And so Paul says, I want to know this resurrection power for my life. The second thing that we see is Paul wants to know Jesus through suffering. And we've looked at this before in Philippians, uh, when he talked about this was granted to the Philippian believers to experience the suffering uh, with Christ. Not only to believe in Jesus, but to experience suffering because of Jesus. And we talked about how that's our minds don't want to think like that. We don't want to think that this might be something that God has for us. But Paul says, I want to know Jesus even through suffering, even through persecution. Remember, he's writing this from jail. He's writing this under house arrest. And he has experienced countless sufferings because of Jesus. And so Paul says, I want to know him through sufferings, because suffering transforms us more into the image of Christ. When we suffer for Jesus, when we are persecuted for Jesus, it shapes us into images of Christ. It helps us understand even more what Christ endured in order to rescue us. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians. Paul speaking in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 Starting in verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So here Paul is saying that even in all of this horrible things that have happened to us, these realities that we're facing because we've been faithful to Jesus Christ, God hasn't abandoned us. And God is using these sufferings to transform us into the image of Jesus. And we are displaying the death of Christ and the life of Christ every time we endure one more suffering and then God rescues us out of that. We are showing the world again what has happened in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. And so Paul says... I want to know Jesus even through suffering. I'm willing to suffer everything, even death, if it will help me know him more and if it will help me display him more to the lost world. And the last thing in this passage as we work our way through that we see that Paul is talking about knowing Christ is he wants to know him through obedience. 
Right? Jesus was perfectly obedient. He never sinned. And Paul is going to go on to talk about it when he says he wants to know Jesus. He wants to know him in the same way of, I'm following God faithfully. I'm striving to live an obedient life so that I can know and experience what Christ experienced. So he wants to strive for knowing Christ in all of these different ways in his life. He wants to be transformed and he wants to suffer for Jesus, to look like Jesus, and he wants to be obedient like Jesus. So for us, as we're looking at this and knowing that striving to know Christ is more than an intellectual process, this week what I want us to do is ask God, God, I need you to help me know Jesus more personally, like what Paul's talking about. I need you to help me know him more personally. Ask God to help you grow in obedience. Ask God to help you that even as you face sufferings, that you would do so in a way to display Christ and understand Christ even more in what he endured for you. And that's not an easy prayer for us. But it's a prayer that we need to make as believers. It's, a, it's how we can know Christ more in the way that Paul is speaking about. Not just knowing the facts. Not just knowing the details that are here. But truly experiencing him and experiencing the transformed life that comes through him. The second point we see here in this text is this. Striving to know Jesus is a lifelong process. Striving to know Jesus is a lifelong process. We do not arrive uh, at any point. And Paul is writing these words, speaking about, uh, you know, he's, he's talked to us earlier about these individuals uh, that he calls the dogs. Uh, and the evildoers. These were individuals who looked at their lives as they had arrived at a spiritual place. They had achieved a certain level of approval, and they pretty much were on cruise control. Let's look at what Paul says here. Philippians three twelve through 14. Paul the Apostle says, Not that I've already reached the goal, or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul makes it clear, I haven't arrived. I haven't made it to some kind of final point in this walk, on, walk in the faith and I can just kind of cruise my way into heaven now. He hasn't made it yet. He hasn't fully grown to know and understand Christ Jesus, yet he's not perfect and when he says that, he's not saying it in a sense like what we often say. We use that as an excuse sometimes when we have a really bad day uh, and we're, you know, have struggling with sin again. And sometimes we'll cut ourselves slack and say, well, look, I'm not perfect. 
I'm not going to, I just can't, I can't do it all. I can't be perfect. Paul's not using this declaration as an excuse for himself. He's using this as a motivator for himself. He's saying, I'm not there yet. But then he goes on to say, that's why I'm pouring my heart into this. That's why I'm running full speed ahead, trying to know Jesus Christ more, trying to experience Christ more. And so with this admission that Paul, the apostle, who, if you know the story of Paul and all that he went through and all that he did and all that he wrote for Scripture, for Paul to say, I'm not where I need to be. That's an important reminder for us that none of us are. If Paul can say, I'm not perfect, I'm not, God, I'm not where God wants me to be, and I still have so much to work towards, then we are reminded this is a lifelong process. Our life of faith. We do not get to a point where we should just be in kind of cruise control mode, waiting to get to heaven. None of us has made it where we need to be. And so in verse 13 and 14, Paul kind of helps us see how it is that he can pursue this in his life. What it is that he has to do to pursue this life of Christ, to know Jesus Christ more. He says, I forget the past. And he's not just talking about his sin and his failure He's also talking about his accomplishments. Remember, we looked at uh, earlier in this chapter, he listed all of the things that he used to put his, his hope in. It's like, I was holding on to these to make me right with God. And now he's saying, I've got to forget all of that stuff. I've got to forget the stuff that I said, man, I was really good in all of these areas. And I've got to forget the failures along the way. And I strive running full speed ahead for Christ. Forget all of that. Now, I know this may come as a shock to some of you. I'm not a runner. That may be shocking uh, if you look at me. That Like, really? I, I would never think that. I'm not a runner. I don't understand it. When we watched Overcomer uh, and the, the coach ran the, the track and at the end he fell down and screamed out, why would anyone do this? Like, I felt that deeply. I'm like, yes, I, I get that. But that's the language Paul uses here. He uses running language. He uses an athletic race to make his point of this is what the life of faith looks like. It's not just sitting around coasting. It's a race and you're running full speed ahead. And the thing about a race is you don't look behind you to see how close your competition is. Looking back can trip you up. Looking back can slow you down. And Paul says, forget what's behind you. That's what I do. Quit looking behind you and run full speed ahead. Stay locked in on your goal, the finish line. The goal of knowing Christ. The goal of experiencing Christ fully. And so that's what Paul's instruction is. He says, this is what I do and this is what you need. Pursue the prize fully. Don't give up. Keep running the race 
and you will know Christ and you'll be transformed like Christ. And then tucked in this passage, there is a beautiful, beautiful truth, a beautiful instruction about how to live this life of faith, why we can pursue this kind of life. And in that, we see it in verse 12. Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. He says, I can run this race of knowing Jesus fully and being transformed by Jesus fully because Jesus took hold of me. That's a beautiful, beautiful promise for us, church. That Christ laid hold of us. The, the language there, uh, Jared Wilson in his book Gospel Wakefulness talks about that language and some of the other ways that that word can be translated. We were arrested by Christ. We were taken hostage by Jesus. He apprehended us. What a beautiful picture of what happened. If you've ever raised toddlers, or if you're in the middle of raising a toddler, there's a joy uh, about a toddler and that you get kind of experience in toddlers when you see them kind of like obliviously running about. And I miss the sound of little toddler feet pattering around on the floor. But with that kind of oblivious happiness as they run about, there's also the reality that they're always like one step from danger because they don't know what in the world is going on. And so you've seen it happen before when you've been out and about, or if you're a parent, you've experienced this. Your toddler's just running wildly. Like they just take off out of nowhere, laughing, full of joy, running straight into traffic, like running through a parking lot. And you as the parent, like, you panic and then you run and grab hold of them. You lay hold of them, pick them up and set them on a safe path. Because they had no clue that they were about to run right in front of a car or run into something else that was a danger to them. That's what Jesus did for us. He laid hold of us grabbed us as we were kind of obliviously running about, headlong into danger. He laid hold of us and set us on a different path. And so I love that language of verse 12. I can run this race. I'm running to the finish line of knowing Jesus Christ fully because Jesus laid hold of me. He apprehended me. That's what he's done with all of us who have trusted in him. And since he did, we can strive along with what Paul is saying. We can strive with everything to reach the goal of knowing Jesus fully. Look at the way the author of Hebrews talks in this same kind of language. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have... Since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, 
the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Run the race. Run the race with endurance. And you do that by keeping your eyes on Christ. Don't look behind you. Don't look at your past failures. Don't look at your past accomplishments. Keep striving for Jesus. So this week, what I want us to ask ourselves is, have you grown complacent in this life of faith? Is there any area... Or maybe I should ask, what are the areas that you've grown complacent in your life of faith? Because we're all tempted towards that. Maybe you've taken your salvation as just kind of an add-on to your life. Well, I'm saved, and now I know that gets me into heaven at the end, and so I can just go about business as normal. Or maybe you may be in this phase that you look at your life and you feel like, I can't can't do anything else right now. I'm I'm too busy to actually do anything else. Or maybe you think, I've put in my time. I, I used to do all of these things. I'm tired. I don't want to I don't want to have to pour in any more. And so I want us to ask ourselves, the, honestly, where have we become complacent in the life of faith? And let's ask God to help us fight complacency in our lives. Since Christ has laid hold of us, let us run full speed ahead to Jesus with the desire of knowing him knowing him fully and knowing what transformation comes because of him. No more passivity. No more complacency. That's not the life of a believer. We're in a race. Let's pursue Christ fully. The last thing we see from this text is this. Striving to know Jesus is a responsibility for all believers. Striving to know Jesus is a responsibility for all believers. Let's look at verses 15 and 16 back in Philippians 3. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. This kind of life isn't a life that's just for like certain super Christians. We're tempted to sometimes think of that, like they're the really good Christians, or someone like Paul. Well, of course Paul could pursue a life like this, but I'm not Paul. Or we may be tempted to think, well, yeah, obviously the pastor needs to live like this, but I'm, I, that's not me. And Paul is telling us here, this is for all believers. This is how all of us should live our lives. Recognizing that Christ is our goal. Knowing Him and being transformed by Him is what we're running for. And everyone, he says, you need to think this way. Let's all 
think like this. And so God's word here reminds us this isn't just for someone like Paul. This isn't just for you know, somebody that you look up, look up to in the faith, like maybe an old grandmother that you look at how faithful they've been in their faith all their lives, and you think, well, I could never be like that. Paul's saying, this is for all of us. Let's strive to know Jesus more fully, completely, and be transformed by him. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. As he's speaking to the Corinthians, he tells them, Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Again, to another group of believers telling them, This is for you too. This kind of life, this kind of thinking about Jesus is for you too. All of us. Let's follow Jesus fully. Let's strive to know him fully and be transformed like him. So for us, church, let's take up the responsibility of pursuing Christ more faithfully. It's a task for every single one of us. And we tend to drift towards complacency. Every one of us can be tempted often to drift towards complacency and passivity in our life of faith. And so let's take up this responsibility and recognize that God's saying this is for every one of us who claims Christ. Commit with me to following Paul in this passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. Ask God to help you. Let's all ask God to help us know Jesus better, know Jesus more fully. Let's experience Jesus and the transformation that comes through him. Whether you're a recent believer or you have been in this life of faith for decades, not one of us has arrived where we need to be. We haven't reached the goal yet. So let's passionately run after our Savior. Let's strive to know Jesus more. That's my heart. For Dogwood Church. That we would become a body of believers who are passionate about our Savior, Jesus. Passionate about knowing Him. Knowing Him fully and being transformed like Him. Would you join me in that? Jesus Christ laid hold of us, church. Because that's true, let us be a people who are passionate about knowing him. He's worth it. And because he is, let's run the race like we believe he's worth it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this challenge from your word. We confess we can be complacent in our life of faith. We can be passive in our life of faith. Every one of us. And we need your spirit to work, God. We need you to change us day by day more into the image of Christ. Help us know Jesus more fully 
Use us for your glory, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.